0: Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about debt. Welcome back to the Life After Debt podcast. I am super excited to be back with you again today, oh, yes. Ryan. This is two in a row, and today we're going to talk on a topic that so many of you have requested information on. So, Ryan and I both discussed this. And we looked into bringing on specialists um, in the financial industry. Mm -hmm. And what we found was not surprising. I think you kind of suspected it, Mm -hmm. but honestly, it summed up the whole story for me. So when we had requested multiple financial advisors come on our show so that we could ask them the questions that all of you want answered, they all denied and said because of their certification, their regulatory, yep, regulatory issues that they were not permitted to do so.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just found that very telling. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I don't know. It, it, regulations sometimes aren't even common sense. But uh, there's regulatory bodies, and then there's the brokerages themselves that don't like for financial advisors to be out communicating to the public for whatever reason. So yeah, we had to go to plan B. Which
0: plan B isn't that bad, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) plan B is what taught Amber everything. And he was my financial advisor uh, when we first met in every spectrum possible. So all of the questions that you all wrote into us, um, he taught me all these things. So, you know, a little bit about Ryan and his background when I met him, he was coming off a position that he had with Edward Jones as a certified financial planner. And I think it's important to mention, what does that mean to be a certified financial planner? Because you've studied for like a year to take your series seven. Is that correct? Yes.
1: So um, there's different levels of um, certification for Mm -hmm. financial planning. And um, I had done the series 7 uh, the variable annuities, uh, life insurance. So it's a typical um, uh, series of certifications you get to be able to sell uh, licensed securities to the public. And so um, as Amber mentioned, I was wor- with um, Edward Jones, which is a conservative Midwestern firm and um, I learned I learned a lot um, through that. Process took me nearly a year to get uh, to get to the point where I passed the Series Seven examination, and um, ran my own Edward Jones office for a while. And um, interestingly, um, I ended up not sticking with that uh, for reasons that maybe I'll share here in a little bit. But um, yeah, that's uh, I figure. Well, if no one else is gonna no one else is gonna do this, I guess I'll step in and um, answer some questions and hopefully be able to uh, maybe. Uh, remove the veil from this whole financial planning thing a little bit because it can be intimidating. It is so
0: intimidating that only 35% of U.S. people, Americans, are actually um, engaging with a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And I did some digging to see, like, why is only 35% of the population utilizing The resource of a financial planner. And one of the biggest reasons I found astonishing was that because they have access to all this information online. Mm -hmm. And I know it's so easy nowadays to go online, type in a question, but the real question is, is how good is the information that you're
1: extracting.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And where is it coming from? Because there's so many paid ads or, you know, things are going to be at the top based on what they're paying to be at the top. So you never really know if the financial information, there's a lot of garbage out there. Right. Yeah. The second reason why people were hesitant and why only 35% work with a financial advisor is because they think it is just for people, wealthy individuals, people Mm. with money. And they, they feel there is a cost associated with working with a financial planner.
1: Yeah. And that's interesting. Um, this would be a good place to put in the antidote about my experience at Edward Jones. Um, when I was at Edward Jones, I opened my own office. And, um, you know, in the first year I had my regional manager call me and he said, Ryan, I've got good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is you've opened more accounts than anyone else in the region. And I said, that's great. What's the bad news? And he said, the bad news is none of the people you're opening accounts for have money. And um, I said, well, aren't those the people that need us the most? Exactly. And, you know, I think uh, Jesus taught on that. I mean, s- sick people need a doctor, not well people. Right. And um, so I've always believed in uh, this notion of uh, getting people started in saving. Mm-hmm. And um, that didn't fit very well with the brokerage houses because they do like to deal with wealthy people because mm-hmm. uh, the fees are a lot higher. So um, that's when I knew it was time for me to exit the business because I had a heart for people that either didn't have money or were just being introduced to savings as a lifestyle.
0: And as a whole, I don't think that there is a resource out there for people who are either coming out of a lot of debt or have just filed bankruptcy. I know we had a lot of responses on our questions that we asked to our listeners and viewers, which was, you know, what are some of your biggest concerns around finances? Mm -hmm. Um, And they gave us a plethora of answers, but one of them was, you know how do I rebuild myself after Mm -hmm. coming off a debt and and chapter seven specifically. And I know that's an area that you and I are very familiar with, with filing bankruptcy in 2008 um, and on our own world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just am so excited for you to give them some nuggets that they can leave today and immediately put into place. I think that's the most important thing is out of all the questions that we received My desire is that Ryan's going to be able to give you some tools for your financial toolbox so that you're not going to need a a financial planning firm, so to speak, that you're going to be able to put these into practice like today when we get done, because that's the biggest piece of it is don't wait, right?
1: Mm, Yeah. No, definitely not. Um, You know, I think that I think that there is a place for financial planner um, for anyone and everyone. Um, you know, and if we were having a conversation about is a financial planner a good idea or not, um, I would absolutely say yes. Um uh he or her uh is a good idea, and I'll tell you why. Um, because there are potholes in this journey, and um there's ups and downs and there's market fluctuations, and I really look at a final financial planner as someone that can forecast out into the future, look 20, 30, 40 years out, help you determine an objective. But then along the way, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that happens in life. Mm -hmm. And when that stuff happens, they're like, hey, don't forget, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. It's like a coach. You took the words out of my mouth. Um, If you replace the word financial planner with coach, uh, it really is someone that not only can, Um, help you formulate a long-term goal, but then uh, determine the course of action to get there and then help you stay on track. One of the hardest things to do um, in this lifetime uh, and having financial discipline is staying on track. It's not a whole lot different than working out or anything else. Like um, there's times we just want to say, I really want that new toy. Bag. You know, whatever the it is Mm -hmm. for you. And, um, But when you have a goal and you have a coach, it's like, you know what, I'm going to forego that for the moment in order to stay on track with the objective. So I do think there is a place for everyone, regardless if you're just starting saving or a multi-multi-millionaire, there's a place for a financial planner.
0: So let's go to the questions so you can answer some of these. Okay. The first one that we asked our listeners and viewers was, how many of you have a financial planner? What do you think the percentage of people we asked on our audience, what do you think the answer was?
1: Probably somewhere 30,
0: 40%. I would say 27% said yes, they have a financial planner. 73% said no. So, and probably yeah. what's stopping them, if if I had to guess, it's centered around, right now I can't even think of a financial planner because I've got to get out of debt, mm. right? I mean, yeah. that is our That is our audience. Those mm-hmm. are the people that are, keeping up with us to know how mm-hmm. to exit that. So I just wanted you to touch on that briefly for people who are struggling today with mm-hmm. credit card debt and think, I can't even think about this right now because I'm in so much debt. Yeah. What would you say to that?
1: Well, it says a lot. I, I think that those statistics, which by the way, our viewership is in alignment exactly with the national statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an indictment on our society as a whole, because when someone hears the term financial planner or financial planning, uh, it's synonymous with savings. And what's the sense in having a conversation about savings when I can't even pay my bills every month and I'm having to subsidize my income and my lifestyle with credit cards or a line of credit. So um, it's true. Uh, The financial house does need to be in order before you can be generating a surplus in your household. And If we boil this down like to the most basic, simple terms, when you're talking about financial planning, it's really, this is a very fancy, and there's a million terms for it, fancy way of talking about saving, you know, and that's what I want to encourage all of our listeners and viewers to be starting to claim for themselves and claim for their household is I'm not a spender, I'm a saver. And that is a radical transformation. And even though everybody's like, oh, my gosh, how do I get out of this mess? How do I get out of this mess? Honestly, it starts with a decision in our minds Mm -hmm. of how I'm going to live my life, because consumption is a way of life in this country. We run a hugely, grossly negative budget nationally. Um, I've said it before. It's not modeled from it's not modeled from the top. Uh, from our our government, from our, uh, even at the state level, Mm -hmm. a lot of time. And so we have to, we have to make a decision that I'm, something's going to change. I've got to break the cycle. So the first step in, in flipping your script is to make a decision that I am now a saver. I'm not a spender. And once that clicks, we can now start talking about where can I start cleaning up some of my spending habits? Where am I spending money? I either don't need to be, or uh, I shouldn't be. And also there's two sides of that equation, right? It's there's uh, to the surplus equation, there's how much we spend and how much we make. So to really flip your script and accelerate your capacity to save, uh, you need to cut expenses and increase household revenue. That's what will accelerate that process. And, um, you know, if you're already at a point where you're drowning in debt, then that is a great opportunity to have a clarity call with Amber, our team, and let's start talking about what is the landscape of your debt, and then formulating a strategy to start getting rid of it. It's not about shuffling it from one pocket to another, right? right? There's there's all these programs that, you know, either reduce interest rates or, um, hey, let's lump them all into one loan. No, loans are the problem. Uh, what we need to do is eradicate the debt. Mm-hmm. We need to eliminate the debt. And so that's the place to start. Um, once you make a decision that I'm a saver, not a spender, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a consumption fiend anymore. I'm going to start focusing on saving. And by the way, if you are able to save $1 more than you spend every single month, you're a saver. And that's a surplus. That's a surplus. And that's a place to start. Some people start thinking, you know, I need $10,000 a month or I need $10,000 a quarter. $100 a month is a big deal. And that's one of the first things I ever heard in my that set me on this course when I was 14 years old was I read a stat that if I saved $100 a month from the time I was 14 till the time I was 26, that's 7% interest compounded that by the time I was 64 and a half years old, it'd be $1.2 million. And when I heard that, my mind exploded. And I opened an IRA that year. I opened an individual retirement account that year and I started saving. And it was like, for me, that was the biggest breakthrough moment. So think starting small and not starting big.
0: Well, and I was going to say to that point, I think that's what people in debt or those who are watching that are like, I just can't do anything right now. I actually think it's less about the amount and more about the habit of actually moving something over into an account that you're committed not to touching. Mm-hmm. And I even go so far on the clarity calls to share with people that, you know, when we say this about savings, I think people have this misunderstanding with savings that it's just over in another account, but you can still use it whenever you want. Mm. Right. Right. And I always say, before you even start adding to that account, make a list of your definition of what what is your emergency? What mm-hmm. is a true emergency? Mm-hmm. And make a list of that so that you have to refer back to it before you tap into that money, Mm -hmm. right? To make sure it's in alignment with your commitment to, hey, I'm flipping my financial script today. So even if it's a dollar, like you said, even if you had to start today and you have so much debt, you can't even think about it. And you say, you know what? It's not about the amount. It's more about the new habit I'm going to put into place. Start with $5. Mm dollars $5 $5 a month. Yeah. Just commit to opening the account. Mm-hmm. You can even open. What's your thoughts on the high-yield savings accounts?
1: You know, that's that's fine. Um, the, any any type of savings account that's earning interest, um, the more difficult it is to access and use. Right. I, I don't want a debit card associated with my savings. That's right. I don't want a debit card associated with my money market. And so I, I want some one layer of protection mm-hmm. between me and the money. And, uh, that way I'm committed. And when I have those moments of temptation, I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's a pain to break that commitment and I don't want to go there. So, um, you know, a savings account in conjunction with the, with the checking is fine. Um, I personally like money market better. It's usually a higher yield. Um, you talk a lot about the, uh, high yield savings accounts, anything where you're getting a decent yield on your money. Um, there's not a card associated with it where I can spend it. And then, uh, you know make the commitment i 'm not touching this money, and you talked about you know what should I have on the sidelines. Uh, I really think a good rule of thumb for the general American household is to have three months of living expenses mm-hmm. um, on the sideline in a savings account or a money market, not in a checking account uh, that is set aside for emergencies you know, and that is like flat tire money that is new transmission money that is um got laid off at work money that's that is real like a real um unexpected emergency that now we have we have this little slush account mm-hmm. that if something goes the wrong way we do not have to resort to utilizing high interest credit cards
0: and it's really interesting what happens with just doing that exercise because i don't know if you remember i'm sure you do remember when we first met I obviously was living paycheck to paycheck, single mom mm-hmm. struggling. And you're like, I'm going to teach you how to save. And I said, well, I've never saved before. <laughs> so like, I'm not used to this mm-hmm. and I wasn't really buying into it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then when I started doing it, I became like, oh my gosh, I just want to keep growing this mm-hmm. more than I want X, Y, mm-hmm. And then it became fun.
1: Right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And it's
0: kind of like this light bulb moment because you never think it's possible until you just start doing it. Yeah. And it sounds so simple Mm. to those, but this is coming from someone who had no idea how to save. And I truly said it. And you said this,
1: said it and forget it. Mm -hmm. I still don't even know how much is in there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: No, that it's, it's a, it's a mind shift. And, um, when you say saving, it doesn't exactly sound fun. Um, you know, trips sound more fun mm-hmm. and, and uh, boats sound more fun and new TV sounds more fun. But I think everyone will be really, really surprised. But those, those that haven't been savers before, that haven't committed to saving as a lifestyle, um, just how contagious it is. Because there's something really special about the freedom that having a nest egg uh, allows, um, and, and the freedom starts in our psyche, uh, you know, where, uh, I could do that if I wanted to, but I choose not to, I could go on that trip. I could upgrade that cabin, but today I'm not going to, you know, and then it gets to a point where it's like, I could upgrade that cabin and you know what on that cruise. And, um, and I'm going to, and so, uh, it's not that you're, it's not that you're trying to, uh, you know, be frugal McDougal forever. No, you're um, not. you know, I mean, the goal is let's get to a point where you have a certain lifestyle now mm-hmm. and you're going to start saving in, in order to level up that lifestyle within three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. And every one of those different, uh, flashpoints is going to look different mm-hmm. than it does today with, with, with. Uh, with your standard of living is what I'm talking about. So saving that it's a mindset first because the mindset will lead to behaviors. Right.
0: And I think that once someone gets started, it just like anything else, just like exercising or anything else, it becomes easier and easier to the point to where it is the lifestyle you've chosen. Mm -hmm. And I think they they talk about this a lot. And I read this article that everyone has an inflection moment. Mm -hmm it's where they reach this moment. They're like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing this anymore financially, Mm -hmm. but unless there's actions and tools in their toolbox to flip their script at that very moment, Mm -hmm. they just don't know how, Mm -hmm. but they have it. And they know that it's not the financial future that they want. Mm -hmm. So I think just doing some of the things that you've just stated, it's a good place to start. Absolutely. All right. The next question that we asked was what's your biggest concern around your finances And I'm going to read to you some of these answers so that you can speak to them. Some uh, talked about credit, you know, their credit score. Others, retirement plan and building wealth. Um, Recouping after a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Uh, Combining money. So unity in marriage, which I know we've talked about before in previous episodes. Investing and then taxes.
1: Mm-hmm. So, do you want to speak to some of these? Sure. Um, I think that um, you know, there's there's kind of an order there. Uh, there, credit is the first one. So, um, obviously, in this country, we are credit mongers. We love credit. We love being able to to spend someone else's money and kick that kick that liability down the road. Um, however, as a lot of us know, it is a slippery slope. Um, and it's funny how many people call us that um, are at a financial inflection point that still consider credit to be the priority. And I say to them all the time, um, credit isn't solution. Credit is your problem. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have a debt problem and more debt is not the solution. So the solution to a debt problem is not not more debt, right? right? You have to... You have to cut the head of the snake off, which is stop getting new debt, stop desiring new debt, and get rid of the current debt in order to uh, open up the ability to, uh, you know, start afresh. So, um, the credit um, having credit extended to you, um, it's uh, if you're in a situation where you're already healthy financially. Um, then credit really isn't an issue you've got right. assets you've got um, a good credit score you've got income
0: that's income you can, you can get
1: credit mm-hmm. uh, and so the question was a little a little generic but uh, you know if it's if it's a, if that's a question of how do I improve my credit the best way to improve your credit is to pay down your credit lines, um, and if you're already at the point where you're in the 500s, low 600s on your credit score, then um, you should seriously consider uh, getting rid of the debt altogether. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, once again, I would point to a clarity call uh, and have a conversation. This is a, I know this is a hard conversation to have. Uh, it's very private. It's embarrassing. But uh, at the point where you're at the credit breaking point you you've, you've got to have you've got to have someone an ally along with you that knows how to deal with those problems.
0: Yeah, and I love having those conversations because if anything I think that we love creating a space for people to share without the shame and guilt associated. And honestly, I think the country as a whole it's all part of the game of making us think so highly of some score that they, whoever they are, right, they give us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we will pay at all costs to keep a score intact that we can't even use because mm-hmm. we couldn't afford to buy another thing. Mm-hmm. That's the very, like, the part of it I can't comprehend. Yeah. And I walk people through that and they're like, yeah, you're right. Well, what could I use it for, even if it was great? Mm-hmm. So I think the first step to your point is get yourself out of the death that you're in. Don't think about the score. Just worry more about the amount of money that you owe and get to the bottom of that quickly.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, As far as uh, retirement, uh, retirement is, you know, um, it's something that it takes time. Um, It takes time to set aside savings. Um, You you know, there's all of these specialized retirement vehicles and that literally could be one whole episode on retirement. Um, You know, what is the best retirement vehicle? Generally, companies are going to extend four hundred and one k's. A lot of times, they have matching funds. You put these dollars in; we'll match up to a certain amount, which you uh, should try absolutely to do, right? max out. Max out your four hundred and one k to the highest possible extent. Um, generally, they have relatively conservative investments um, that you can choose from to invest in those. Usually, mutual fund funds, which is a bundle of stocks, um, that's that's a really great place if you're self-employed. Or your company does not offer those, then um, IRAs are a great choice. Uh, It stands for Individual Retirement Account. Um, The Roth IRA is generally considered the the premium in class because you uh, you're at the end when the money is starting to take out when you retire, um, you get to take it out tax free. Um, That's a huge benefit because. Uh, all the gains that you've had over those years, you do not get taxed on. So Roth IRA, if you're self-employed, um, a, SEP out, a SEP IRA allows you to contribute more annually so you can accelerate your retirement savings more quickly. So um, for those self-employed out there that have, have money um, with a SEP IRA, you get the benefit of being able to write off your contribution. And depending on how much money you make, um, you can you can set aside quite a bit annually into a SEP And uh, once again, you have all investment vehicles available to you to choose what the underlying um, asset is that you can invest in. So um, retirement, uh, just do it. Um, Once again, I talked about that $100 a month. If you're just starting saving, then a good place to start is open a Roth IRA and, um, you know, contribute something up into the maximum monthly. Uh, And the key here is something called, you know, um, DCA, dollar cost averaging. And that is basically a contribution monthly, which you're entering the market monthly at varying different levels of the market. So um, that's where I would start, axing out 401k. Where can they do that though? Like if they want to establish
0: that, I know, you know, something they can do online. Do you have any recommendations? Well,
1: the 401k could be through your employer. So you would approach your human resources or whoever handles Mm -hmm. that, do it. Um, If you're not, and uh, IRAs, you can either one uh, find a financial advisor um, in in your community. Um, I do like the Edward Jones firm. Um, uh, there's also lots of banks have financial advisors. You can open one through uh, through your bank. Um, and uh, lastly, you can also go to a firm um, like Fidelity. Uh, Fidelity is a company you can go to and open. Uh, open a Roth IRA with them. You can also do a Schwab. You can do it with any of the online brokerages and um, they'll just pull it right out of your checking account every month. You don't have to I write know. them a check. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and they have big mutual funds you can invest in, you know, the Fidelity plan and um, Fidelity is no load, which means there's no charges whatsoever. Wow. Um, so, you know, you can, you can literally dollar cost average on a monthly basis. Um, and so uh, that's what I would look at doing. And um, don't wait. Every Mm -hmm. day counts. The market's going up. It's been going up in spite of all the calamities in the world. And in spite of all the iterations of wars and rumors of wars for the last 50 years, the market is all time highs right now. I mean, uh, every day you wait is you're just putting off um, this financial future that we want to get you to. We really want to help you get there. And I know you
0: talk a lot about about these accounts, but I also know just because we talk about this a lot that real estate is still a a good play for retirement. Mm. So just summarize, you know, is that a second tier to all the advice you're giving right now? Or, you know, how do you, how do you include real estate when you're thinking of your retirement plan?
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, You know, if you're talking about, actually there's something called a self-directed IRA um, which uh, permits you to hold a lot of alternative assets mm-hmm. in your IRA. So let's say you have uh, $500,000 in your IRA right now and you really were ready to divest out of the market. Maybe you're a real estate bug like me. You can actually open a self-directed IRA um, and <clears throat> they permit you to own real estate in your IRA. So you can buy a $500,000 duplex. that generates monthly, um, uh, monthly income. It all channels into your IRA. Um, They allow you to hold gold and silver, precious metals in the IRA. There's really a lot of options um, for for the self-directed IRA. So that's a little bit of a, um, you know, uh, maybe 201 level class. Um, Not a lot of people know about the self-directed IRAs, but uh, it's a good vehicle to own real estate uh, in your IRA. So um, it's, you know, real estate, real estate's a winner. And
0: you've got the appreciation of the real estate in the IRA and also all the income generated through passive, you know, yeah. things that you're, but you just can't touch it.
1: Uh, yeah. But it's all tax deferred. So let's yeah. say you take that 500,000 I was just talking about, yeah. you bought a 700,000, you know, you, it went up to 700,000 in value. You liquidate the asset. You don't pay any capital gains on the $200,000 because it's in the IRA. Um, and then you take that money and you roll it up into your next property.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that I asked was, um, how much do you need to retire? That's
1: a loaded question. That's, I know. That's but really tough.
0: People really responded as if they didn't see an end in sight. Like yeah. they never think it's possible. Mm-hmm. And so on average, I know it is different for everyone.
1: Well, it's, it's lifestyle driven, right? Um, it, it, how much someone yeah. feels like they, where do you want to live? Um, what, how much do you want to travel? Uh, what what kind of car do you want to drive? Uh, may, for someone that was living a simple lifestyle, you know, uh, a few hundred thousand dollars could do it, and you could generate you could generate you know a um, thousand or two thousand dollars a month in income to subsidize your social security. Um, someone that has uh, a little more, um, a higher higher standard of living, or um, just a life you know, a lifestyle that's more than um more than 4 or 5000 a month um they're they're going to need they're going to need a lot more money to be able to generate an income off of your retirement savings. So the whole idea when we talk about retirement is that you've got a nest egg, you've got a chunk of money or what we'll call the principal um amount that you're able to then generate income um without tapping into the principal. So that's the idea. If I've got a million dollars in savings and I can generate You know, $60,000 a year in income off of that, and I never touch the million, then that's sustainable for a really long time. It's sustainable until um, I pass away. So the goal is to, um, you know, have a big enough nest egg to generate a fixed income, but your principal is secure. That's the idea. So you kind of have to back your way into it by how much do I want at retirement age? Some people may want to retire at 50. Some people may want to retire at 65. Some people may say, you know what, I'm going to work till I'm 80 years old. Um, And then, so that, that kind of changes the, the equation a little bit too, uh, because it, it, that now you're talking about how long am I going to be retired? Right? When when do you think you're going to retire? Well, what's your like objective and goal? I I don't, I don't think we'll ever retire because we like helping people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there'll always be some type of ongoing interest. However, um, there, there are certain things I don't want to do forever. Um, and you know, um, and I won't elaborate on that, but, uh, I really think that a good kind of a good shot on goal for us is when all the kids leave the house. Yeah. Um, I, I want to be in a place where we can travel and see them. We can mm-hmm. start thinking about, um, spending some time, uh, traveling more to, uh, to destinations we want to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be a lot freer. At 55 than I am now. Totally. Um, and so
0: 55 isn't far away. I know. I just um, want you to. Know. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> and so that you know that. But the thing is, we can't start planning for life at 55 right. at 54. Um, we have to start thinking about life at 55, at 48. Um, so uh, I mean, you know, we start making decisions now that are going to put us in a position to uh, to live the life we want at these at these predetermined intervals. So, um, you know, everybody's got a little different idea about what they want their future to be. Uh, if you would have asked me that, you know, 30 years ago, uh, I wanted to be retired um, in Costa Rica <laughs> by the time I was 30.
0: Well, we actually you said know. 40 though. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. we well, you know when
1: I was when I was 20, I would have said I want to be retired by I'm 30. You know, by the time I was almost 30 and <laughs> then it was like, okay, okay, I'll uh, we'll, we'll do 40. Um, but the reality is there's no, there's no such word, um, in the Bible for retirement. Um, we're always going to be doing something and adding value, but we want it to be on our terms. So the idea of retirement for me, it's kind of synonymous with living life on my own terms, um, not being driven, um, right. There's that word driven. Um, I don't want to be driven. I want to be, I want to live a spirit led life that is free and not feel driven uh, by, the, by the bills and by the weight of, um, you know, this, this prison I've built in myself uh, that drives me to have to, uh, you know, stay a slave to the grind. I want to break the wheel, mm. you know, and so by mid-50s, I, I want the wheel to be broken and I'm living life on my terms. But as long as kids are at home, the wheel is uh, the wheel. Is the wheel. Mm-hmm. So you keep doing what you do and doing the grind.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as we wrap this up today, because we have so much more we could talk about, and there were so many questions and we'll try to answer a lot of those online also, but you know, it doesn't matter where you are today, mm-hmm. right? Cause we filed bankruptcy mm-hmm. and we flipped our script. Mm-hmm. Like it is possible mm-hmm. to completely flip your script financially. You just have to get to that moment to where you say enough is enough. So whether it's set a clarity call, meet with a financial planner, like mm-hmm. you suggested, yeah whatever it is, you've got to do something different than what you're currently doing. Mm. Right.
1: Go, go. Uh, yeah. you have to do something, take action. Yeah. If nothing changes, nothing changes. And if I were going to leave everyone with like one action item, one action item, uh, um, you know, after this, after this conversation, it is around the DCA principle, the dollar cost average, uh, Set something aside every month, no matter how small it is. Get it pulling out of your uh, checking account and um, investing in a mutual fund. Um, set up that Fidelity account and just start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be so empowering. Uh, it's it really just the act of doing that yeah. is going to change everything. Because at that moment, you made a decision to be a saver. And once you make a decision to be a saver... All of your actions will uh, be more in alignment um, and be more consistent with that decision. Mm -hmm. So it's commitment and consistency. You make a commitment, you're more likely to act, uh, you know, in a consistent manner towards that decision. So that's the action point. Just make a decision to do it. I mean, I'm ready to go save.
0: I've, I've got my pep talk for the day. So now I'm going to set new goals just yeah. based on this conversation. So thank you yeah. for sharing. Thank you for having me. We'll have to do it again. Well I, I have you all the time. Yeah. I'm going to have you all it's the true. time. Yeah, but good. I'm glad that they get to see this side of you because yeah. I've known it and it's helped me financially grow mm-hmm. to where I am. So I know it's going to benefit our viewers. Too. Yeah. So until next time. Um, We will talk to you soon, but if you need anything in between, do not forget to book a clarity call with us Mm -hmm. at reducemydebts.com. And if you're interested in real estate investment or business brainstorming, we also have a team that's happy to help you with both of those areas also. So please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you.